This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to You're In Good Company, an investing podcast striving to disrupt the norms in the finance industry. I'm Maddie and as always I'm in some very good company with my co-host Sophie. Hello Maddie. Coming up on today's episode we are going to get some behind the scenes insight on one of the the companies that our community talks about a lot which is Adore Beauty. So we're going to be looking at what happens pre and post IPO. We're going to be doing a deep dive into the beauty industry and as always we will be adding to our watch list. But first Maddie I have a couple of jokes which are actually not a couple. Well I just was laughing to myself so I had to (laughs) add a couple that are beauty themed to get us in the mood. Okay. (laughs) Why is lipstick losing market share in the makeup industry? Oh why? Because we live in the mascara like mascara, but, but oh, masks. Wait, mask. Okay. <laughs> Got okay, it. obviously not funny. <laughs> is, your, is your next one any better? <laughs> what kind of makeup does a sad clown wear? Uh, well, I don't know what. Foundation. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> okay, so we'll go with number two and cut number one. No, I'm <laughs> kidding. Keep them. But before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wandry people of the Kulin Nation, who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders, past and present, and to the next generation, who we hope to create a different future for. Before we get into today's episode, let's hear from a YIGC community member. Show me the money, honey. Hi, my name's Kat. I'm 25 years old and I'm a PhD student. As a student, I earn a $30,000 a year stipend that is untaxed, so this breaks down to around about $1,195 a fortnight. I've only just started investing uh, right back at the start of October, and so far I've invested $2,000. My plan is to use some savings I've built up, around about $12,000 or so, and spread that out over this year and next to um, invest every two uh, months my portfolio. Currently, I have two holdings, the ethical ETFs, Ethi and FAIR. My portfolio is balanced to around about 75% Ethi, 25% FAIR, but this is something that I'm willing to look at again as I continue investing, and I'm definitely considering and open to buying some other ETFs and potentially some individual shares as well as I continue buying. So the current value of my portfolio is $2,000 and it's been floating around that mark basically for the last fortnight, but I'm excited to see where it goes. Today we are blushing because we are very excited to be joined by Tanil O'Shaughnessy, CEO of Adore Beauty. Tanil joined Adore in August 2020, around two months before it listed on the ASX. 
Prior to joining the Adore team, Neil spent nine years at Seek, where she was the managing director of the America's business. She received an MBA from Melbourne Business School and a graduate degree and an undergraduate degree from Monash University. Welcome to Neil. Thank you very much for having me today. We are very excited to chat with you today, Neil. And so to allow our audience to get to know you a little better, we have a couple of questions. The first being, what's the best thing that's happened to you this week? Oh, great place to start. Well, I'm based here in Melbourne and I've got three small kids, so three kids under eight. We've been in lockdown for over 200 days all up. So this week, I think it's safe to say (laughs) the whole family is very grateful. It's our last full week of homeschooling. Fair enough. That is a very great call. The longest lockdown in the world. You can add that to your CV as well. (laughs) And Janelle, if you could have dinner with anyone, who would it be and why? For me, it would definitely be my grandfather. So he passed away when I was young, when I was a teenager. We were very close and we had this kind of relationship where he was just unconditionally proud and supportive of me. I'd love to have dinner with him one more time and just let him know that I'm doing okay. Oh, that's such a sweet answer. I really like that. And then our last question is, if you could be a stock or company, who would you be and why? I don't think you have to look very far for inspiration beyond the Australian startup scene. It's such an exciting (laughs) time to be in, in startups in Australia. We've got many examples. A couple that I'd call out, a great example is Afterpay. So it's an example of a company that identified a key structural trend and a change in consumer behavior. They developed a proposition that was deeply customer-led and built a loyal audience based on word of mouth. So you saw them disrupt larger and very well-resourced incumbents. So I think that's an amazing success story. Another great example led by Australian founders, and I was fortunate enough to spend you know, almost 10 years with this company, is Seek, who've shown an incredible sustained growth path uh, because of their clear purpose and their focus on the customer. Amazing. Two incredible companies. I didn't realize that Seek was based out of Australia. So did, was Seek founded in Australia? It, it absolutely was. So, so two brothers and, and one other founded it here in Melbourne, and one of the brothers uh, remains active in the business. Oh, cool. So still found a lead. Love that. So we wanted to ask you, I mean, we have a lot to unpack today and I think people would be very excited to be listening to this one, considering your role as CEO at Adore Beauty. So we kind of wanted to dive into a little bit about your role there and what drew you to Adore Beauty? I mean, you just mentioned that you were previously at Seek. What drew you to, I guess, the beauty industry? Yeah, so as I, as I touched on, I've really always really enjoyed working in founder-led businesses. I think that there is an energy and a purpose and a long-term focus with founder-led businesses and Adore is obviously another one in that space. Um, but what attracted me to beauty in particular, I was much more attracted to Adore's approach to beauty and that's really captured in our aspiration and purpose, which is to help customers feel more confident and more fabulous every day by giving them a very empowering, personalized beauty shopping experience. So the way I think about beauty is much more as a self-care category, one the, rather than one that's just focused on appearance. So this very customer-centric approach really resonates with me. So it was the approach to beauty that attracted me. Uh, and if I contrast that to, I guess, what the more traditional approach to beauty has been, you know, traditionally the approach has been to present a very glossy, airbrushed, unattainable image, and almost to treat customers like they're students or patients. So I think what Adore Beauty has done is sort to disrupt that 
by really empowering our customers, giving them all the information they need to make a decision, as well as entertaining them with content. So we, we look to bring that very real, authentic voice to beauty. Um, and as part of that, no topics are off limits. So I think one of the, you know, we, we also have a couple of really um, popular podcasts and one of our podcasts have a, has a segment that we actually call Cringy Convos, which, which goes into those topics in beauty that others might not go near. <laughs> one um, real voice that I've been loving from Adore Beauty is actually your TikTok. There's actually some mm. really good content on there. Really funny. Loving it. <laughs> The other thing I love about that is what you see on TikTok is uh, that that's our employees. Uh, so our employees sharing their recommendations, their experiences. And, and so I think that, that that's part of what makes it so real is, you know, these are people that, that work in our customer experience team or our warehouse and, and, that, and what they do with the content is really quite funny at times. <laughs> I think when you talk about Adore's approach to beauty, that has really rung true during COVID, you know, in a time where so many of us aren't leaving our houses or going to work or the social occasions that we normally would. And yet there's been such a focus on, you know, skincare and doing beauty sort of routines that make you just feel really good. And I think that's been a really nice sort of shift in mentality of the whole, I guess, industry. But I'm really interested to hear because when I imagine the life of the CEO, I personally think about Anne Hathaway in The Intern where she like rides around on her bike around the office and then she runs down to the distribution center and packs the parcels herself and then comes back. <laughs> what does the typical day as a CEO at a door look like for you? Oh, look, I only wish I was cool enough to ride around the bike, the office on a bike. <laughs> look, mine's a little more straightforward. So um, as I mentioned, we're in lockdown here. So I've formed a bit of a ritual of, you know, forcing the whole family to get up really early to go for a walk and get a coffee before we start our days. That seems to set us off nicely. And then for me, uh, I predominantly am working at home at the moment. So I'll sit down, I'll clear urgent emails from the night before. Part of those emails also, and this is a part of my day I really enjoy, uh, includes a summary of all the feedback we have got from customers overnight. So we've got a, we use Slack as our communication channel. We've got a dedicated channel where um, the entire business has access to customer feedback. That keeps me really close to the customer, just understanding parts that they've enjoyed about their shopping experience and areas we can continue to improve. After that, I have a daily virtual check-in with my executive leadership team where each of it only, only goes for 15 minutes and each of us share, firstly, the best thing that happened to us in the last 24 hours and then secondly, what, what are we focused on today? So it's just starting the day with that really positive intent and energy. So nice. <laughs> and then I'll spend my days working with the team, um, looking at things like framing, shaping and evolving our strategy and our strategic priorities, analysing and looking for levers to further drive our business operational performance and then leaning into other topics like investor relations, board communications, and then also working with key internal committees in our business like our diversity and inclusion committee. Having said all of that, uh, I actually was at our uh, customer fulfillment centre, our, our warehouse yesterday. I do, <laughs> I do tend to go there once a week. Uh, I think it's you know great to be really close to the, the team that are responsible for you know our most customer facing roles. So I go there. Unfortunately, my skill set is limited. They only give me you know the, the jobs like packing, uh, you know making the boxes. <laughs> I, I did. I do do that. I I haven't graduated all the way through. I understand. I'm I'm a little bit too slow for their liking. <laughs> <laughs> oh no it's good to see I guess the CEO really down and dirty doing all the packaging yeah. <laughs> love it 
So I guess today we wanted to cover a couple of topics and one of those is IPOs. I think, you know, we've seen a lot of IPOs in the space over the past year and a lot of our community is looking into, you know, why that happens and, um, you know, I think it's exciting because it means that people can invest in these companies when they do go public. But first we wanted to do a little recap of what an IPO actually means. Sure. So an IPO or an initial public offering is basically the process of offering for sale to the public for the very first time shares in a company. So as you said, that allows the public to be investors. So in Adore Beauty's case, Adore Beauty was self-funded for most of its 21-year history uh, and bought in a private equity partner quadrant around two years ago before listing uh, in October last year. Can I quickly ask, when you say you brought in a private equity partner, what does that mean for Adore Beauty? So for Adore Beauty, uh, at that time, what uh, Kate and James were looking for was really uh, what they saw was such a significant opportunity in front of them in terms of Adore Beauty's addressable market, the growth that they had been able to achieve uh, in the lead up to that event. They recognised that bringing in a partner that, that brought in some additional strengths to the table for them around uh, investing for growth, unlocking new opportunities for growth was really what Adore Beauty needed at that stage in the evolution. So Quadrant uh, came in and invested uh, in Adore at that time as, 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 a, as an equity holder. So in general, why do companies go public? And then I guess what was the rationale for Adore? So there are many reasons a company chooses to go public. So it might be things like to access capital to drive growth. It might be to provide liquidity for early investors. For Adore, uh, we've actually been profitable as a business since the start. Um, Frankly, we had to be because we were self-funding. So if we weren't profitable, then (laughs) the business wasn't going to last for too long. So that means that um, we've been able to fund our organic growth plans um, for, for many years. So that wasn't the main driver for us. For us, the reason was twofold. Firstly, we believe we've created something that's genuinely special with the business, how it's set up, our culture, our values. And we really wanted to build a sustainable future for the business that went beyond individual uh, investors or founders. And so an, an IPO allows this to happen because it creates a separate entity that goes beyond any individual. Uh, and what the IPO also did was to provide us additional flexibility to, in the future, consider the inorganic um, path to growth options as well as the organic. So one of the things that I love um, that's often said about Adore is that it was the 20-year overnight success. The company raised $269 million as a part of the IPO. And, you know, going from never sort of probably, I imagine, having that kind of capital before to suddenly having this inflow of money from investors. What actually happens with that money? And, you know, can you just use it however you want? And what what do you actually put it towards specifically? Yeah, so as I I touched on, uh, our organic strategy is one that is able to be self-funded through the business. And so rather we think about uh, where we're sitting at the moment, which is access to capital as well as no debt. We're a business that's really well positioned for flexibility around how we grow in the, in the future. So what that means is it allows us to uh, 
be a little more aggressive where we see opportunities for growth, it allows us to consider paths to growth that are both inorganic or potentially through M&A in the future. So what the biggest thing it does for us is really unlock flexibility to take advantage of all the opportunities that we're presented. I guess that's very exciting. I mean, Maddie and I are always watching um, the M&A space and I think we have spoken about a lot that if big companies are able to, you know, stay agile and able to acquire other companies or look into doing that, then it does give them a competitive advantage in the long run. We are very curious. You joined Adore just a couple of months. I think it was like two or three months before the IPO. What does that process look like? Because I can imagine it was somewhat mayhem, especially during (laughs) lockdowns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Quite a lockdown (laughs) project, right? (laughs) Because being in the middle middle of lockdown, starting a new job wasn't enough. We we just thought we'd throw one more in there. (laughs) So, So to provide a little bit of context, we listed the business on the ASX while operating under stage four lockdown restrictions. So that meant that I didn't actually get to meet most of the, the broader deal team involved until several months after when we opened back up. Wow. And so that time for us was like a compressed roadshow. I think we did something like, you know, 90 plus meetings over, over the course of a month across multiple time zones. Um, I think it's fair to say we survived off lots of chocolate and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the end, what kept, what kept all of us going, um, I, we were all incredibly proud to be listing as what was the largest business at that time with a woman founder and a woman CEO. So that's something we were incredibly proud of. What are, I guess, the, some of the main or key components of the pre-IPO process? Like what is a company really looking at before they're going live on a stock exchange? So first, first and foremost, it is that uh, what you have is a very well thought through, robust um, strategy laid out and a clear path for growth that you can communicate and articulate in um, to your investors. And so we had an, I guess, an interesting opportunity in front of us because uh, we needed to talk to investors about what was uh, an industry vertical they were less familiar with. So as you can imagine, the majority of the investors we spoke to were um, middle-aged men who weren't necessarily the first customers uh, of, of Adore Beauty. So what we had to do in addition to having that very clear strategy and outlook for the business was also spend a lot of time talking about the industry and what's special and unique about beauty as a category and how consumers in the beauty category think about that category. So beauty is quite different to many other categories in the e-commerce space. A beauty customer tends to view the view the category as one that, it, you know, a beauty purchase is very personal for them. It's highly emotive. As, as you touched on earlier, the skincare, you know, these types of products are products people are putting on their face. So they spend a lot of time choosing the product that's right for them. Uh, they're, they're incredibly loyal uh, once once they find a brand that they, they connect with and they tend to spend each more. They're, they're in the category. So our customers tend to, for every year they're on platform, uh, spend more with us. So they'll increase their basket size and try new things. And they'll also increase the number of times per year they shop with us. So we also had to ensure, you know, that we went on this clear path of education on the industry as well as the business. And then I think it's also very important to ensure that the business is ready in terms of its core uh, 
data sets and processes. So I'm thinking about things like its financial processes, its governance, its its board structure. And so one of the decisions we made really early was to bring in onto our board uh, two non-executive directors that brought with them very deep public company experience and they helped us a lot navigating some of the key changes the business needed to be needed to make to be to be ready for the listing. I want to touch on what you mentioned about needing to explain the industry a bit more because we know that you know these um, this industry is a little bit more male dominated and I read that Adore was actually the largest listing with a female founder, female CEO, and majority female board, which is just incredible. But I also read that the company rejected pitches from all male teams. So I'm really interested to hear, I guess, your perspective on why you think it's really important to have gender diversity in the IPO process. Yeah, look, I think that that was a, one of the key decision variables for us as we were speaking to the various partners who would lead us through that process. And, and really what we were looking for is, in, in particular for Adore, ensuring that the deal team represented the diversity um, of our customer base uh, and understood and were passionate about the space in the same way that we were. And, and so I think that what we saw through the process was the importance of that diversity shone through with members of the deal team um, connecting with our customer, understanding what she was looking for, and then supporting us to be able to tell the story in a very customer-centric way. And so I think that, you know, this business has been founded upon principles of diversity and inclusion. Both Kate and James are incredibly passionate about the topic. Uh, and I think that that passion starts with leadership at the top, but it's reflected in key decisions made along the way. And the decision that you just called out that we were keen to partner with partners across the IPO process who had diversity in their teams is a really strong example of how we put that on the front of our leadership agenda. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Soph and I often talk about how investing in companies that you're interested in and align with your values can help to make the process really interesting because you get to put your money into things that you enjoy and then you get to sort of follow those companies and stay really engaged in the process. We often joke that um, you can actually do investing research by shopping online at Adore Beauty and then when you get the parcel, it's like, oh, well, you're just testing to see the customer experience and things like that. And I heard you tell a really great story about how when you were going through that IPO process, um, you actually had customers getting in contact that had never invested before to say that they were interested because, you know, the brand really resonated with them and things like that. So I wanted to touch on a little bit, I guess, that. And then who are sort of the main investors in an IPO process? Because we had a lot of people reaching out to us saying, can we invest in the Adore Beauty IPO? And it's sort of in that, I know in the initial IPO stage, it's not quite that simple. I think, yeah, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a little more tricky in the initial IPO stage, but still possible. So the main investors in an IPO do tend to be the larger institutional investors. However, most IPO processes do have an allocation for the retail customer base that can be accessed through a broker. And so that, that, that can happen, but it does need to generally happen through a broker. Uh, I think you touched on a point that I was also going to raise. I think one of the things that if I'm sitting here in five years' time that I look back on and being most proud um, was that many of our female um, Adore customers contacted us and did let us know that they were investing in the stock market for the very first time uh, because they saw a, a stock coming on market that they genuinely 
understood they loved the business and value proposition. So that gave them the confidence to dip their toe in the water and try investing for, for the first time. It was actually this time last year, October 2020, when Maddie and I were talking about starting up this podcast. And when I was running through the idea with friends to get their feedback on how we think it would work, a door came up so many times because everyone was like, well, you could talk about the Door Beauty IPO. Like that's happening right now. It was literally this time last year. So I guess thank you for the inspiration for the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? I was going to say, look, it's Um, so great to see, I guess, much more diversity under the topic of, you know, investment and, and, you know, bringing financial freedom to to females. So congratulations on the podcast. I think you're doing an amazing job. <laughs> We've come full circle. We've hit IPO. Yeah. We've hit the, we're talking about the Adore Beauty IPO a year post talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> and our last question in the around IPOs is, you know, post IPO, we often see a lot of uh, volatility in the stock price. Why does this occur? And I guess, you know, as an insider of a company, are you watching the stock price go up and down or is it just another metric? There can be many reasons for this. So it can be the industry it operates in. So for example, if you take a look at e-commerce, it's been quite bumpy over the past 12 months with the impact of the ongoing COVID uncertainty and what it means for the industry. Uh, It can also be driven by less liquidity in the stock early days. So people are not as keen to, you know, if they've they've bought a position, not as keen to to sell in the short term. And then lastly, it does also take some time for the business generally and the management team to build credibility and a track record in the public markets. Although I have to say, um, looking at Kate's reaction when she's told she needs to build a track record after having grown the business for 21 years (laughs) is is quite amusing to me. And then what's the an insider's view on the stock price volatility? You know, as the Adore Beauty team, are you looking at the stock going up and down or is it just another metric that sits in the background? I think we care very deeply about creating long-term shareholder value. Uh, but I, I think that the most important way we do that is to continue to execute strongly on our strategy, to de- continue to delight our customers and bring them back as returning customers. And so I think in the in the short term, there's a lot that happens to a share price that is larger than the control of the business. The one thing that's absolutely in our control is to continue to um, over-deliver on every promise that we make to the market, continue to grow, and that's the best way that we'll create shareholder value in the long term. Great answer. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to take a quick break for our sponsors and we'll be right back to chat more about the beauty industry with Tennille. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
So, Tanil, Adore is like the apex. It's the best of the best uh, when we look at the intersection of e-commerce and beauty, in my opinion, anyway. So how do you define Adore's position in the beauty industry? Firstly, thank you for that. I think in our minds, we still very much think about ourselves as the challenger brand that was, you know, built in a, in a garage and doesn't really have the right to be taking it to these, you know, very well-resourced department stores, but here we are. So it's wonderful to hear you say that. I think our, our DNA is something that is thinks about ourselves a little differently, but the way we think about Adore is it's much more than just an online store. Um, We think about ourselves as a personalized beauty destination where we've combined both the the retail elements or the e-commerce part, but also the the media part. So the way we think about it is, in effect, we're replacing both the traditional retailers and the department stores, but also the more traditional media for our customers and our brand partners. So uh, so where, where customers would have historically gone to more glossy magazines to consume content and education through our content proposition we actually replace that element also so we think about our value proposition as offering you know three main headings range authority so access to a range of brands spanning um, luxury to professional to niche to mastige you, you know more than what you'd have to go to five or six shops to get access to all of those brands that's the first leg of our value proposition the second is offering a simply a seamless digital shopping experience with lots of ways to delight our customers along the way so we offer fast free delivery you get you know gift with purchase and samples with your delivery you get the iconic tim tam that comes every time i was gonna say so that's that's all designed to genuinely delight our customers while they're shopping but then the third element of that and this is the one where we've increasingly focused uh, over the last uh, two to three years is on data-driven personalization and our content so we've invested and built out a content team and we produce content that spans everything from um We've got blog posts, we've got YouTube videos, you mentioned TikTok, we've got multiple um, podcasts that have gone to uh, gone to number one in the, in the charts. I think our, our core podcast, Beauty IQ, uh, has just ticked over 3 million downloads. So for Such a great a, podcast. Uh, but to have a retailer that, that has that kind of reach with a podcast is quite unheard of. So that, that's how we think about our position in the beauty industry. Well, I think that whole content area is really important, especially that you don't because you don't have retail stores, like the customer really needs to be able to learn about the product or see how it's used. It adds that element without actually adding like, you know, the brick and mortar stores. I also think it keeps it very dynamic in a space where this younger customer is coming through and everything is digital. So it still provides that kind of full suite of service for whoever's buying the product. I am interested. The business, as you said, was founded 21 years ago, 1999 in a garage. How has the beauty industry changed over this time? Because, you know, a lot has changed in the past 20, 21 years. Yeah. So if we go back to 1999, there were no smartphones, <laughs> there was no Facebook, there was no Instagram or TikTok. No TikTok. Uh, and, <laughs> and people were even very like, much... I feel like the internet was quite early days of that. Uh, even, even Google wasn't what... I think Google had started a year earlier. So, so we're kind of going way back. <laughs> and people were very firmly shopping in stores only. So we've had quite a journey in uh, disrupting the physical shopping experience and really encouraging our customers to come online. And the way we had to do that in the early days uh, was we, we neither had 
frankly, the, the budget or capital, nor the channels that exist now to acquire new customers. So the core way we acquired new customers was to provide simply a delightful shopping experience going over and beyond in the hope that firstly, those customers would keep coming back, but then maybe they had such a great experience, they'd tell one more person and that would bring one more customer online. So that was the focus on the customer side of things. Uh, we also had quite a journey encouraging more and more brands to come online. So at that time, back in 1999, brands were very firmly thinking about their offering as an in-store experience. And so it was quite a journey that we had to take our brand partners on in encouraging them to think about, uh, firstly, online as a channel. And then, and then when they first thought about it, they'd, they were thinking, look, I'm going to do it myself. Um, or I'll only consider doing it with my department store partners. Mm. Uh, and then we really had to earn our place through trust and credibility that they got to a point as a premium brand where they, they would trust a, um, a pure play e-commerce player like Adore Beauty to represent their brand in the right way. And so, so that we very much had many, many years of building up those long-term brand partnerships uh, to get to the point where we are today, where we're at a scale where the conversations we have with brands are very different. So if, if we contrast that to where we sit today, I, I think it's very well established in beauty that all of the growth in the industry is coming from the online channel, um, that this structural shift to online is something that although it's quite early days here in Australia compared to the US and the UK, is very fast growing and, and driving all the growth in the business. And so our brand partners now are having quite different conversations with us around how can we partner to really support their growth aspirations um, in the online space. Well, it also slightly well, somewhat aligns with kind of not the demise, but definitely the drop in the department store that really resonated. Like I used to go with mum to the department stores to buy her lipstick. But now, you know, it's not as frequently that you would go to a department store to buy your skincare or makeup because it's so accessible to get it online if you've already chosen a product that you like. We, we genuinely believe that the online shopping experience can be better on, on every dimension than the physical shopping experience. And, and you, did t you did touch on that point um, where you've already chosen a product you like. But what I would say is that in the last two to three years with what we've been able to do with uh, things like content to uh, things like extensive product reviews, uh, access to tools to support shade selection on our website, uh, access to sampling uh, with the, um, you know, trying new products as they come through. All of those things mean that increasingly we're seeing our customers actually try products for the first time online and getting really comfortable to do that. So we're really, we're really confident that the online shopping experience can be better for many reasons than what can be delivered in the in-store experience. Yeah, it's an interesting one as well, because I remember when Soph and I were chatting about this when we were doing a practice podcast episode, you know, a year ago, we were talking about a door. And I remember thinking at that point when, you know, we're still sort of reasonably early days with COVID that, oh, I don't know, I really like going in store for makeup because, you know, you can chat to someone and you can ask your questions. And yet now, 12 months later, my perspective has just shifted entirely. And I think, you know, this consumer trend to online shopping and things like that that we've seen through COVID is probably benefiting Adore beautifully in that respect. I'm interested to hear where do you see this industry sort of headed in the future 10, 15 years down the track? And how is Adore sort of positioning itself to really be best placed for this change? So taking a long-term view... Um, unquestionably, the structural shift to online will continue. 
Um, but when I think about who will the e-commerce winners be, um, it will be those that remain deeply customer-centric and understand what the customer is looking for and how the customer will shop in five to ten years. Uh, and so we, we, this is something we talk about quite a lot. And in fact, the ongoing role that uh, our founder, Kate Morris, has taken in the business is to be our head of in innovation and really to answer that question. What will the customer be looking for when they shop in beauty in five to ten years? So I think, you know, there's a, there's a lot of buzz around the key emerging technology-based trends. So things like personalization, virtual try-ons, as well as tech enablers like you know, AI, virtual reality, machine learning. But I, my observation would be that starting with a deep understanding of the customer and the customer needs and really thinking about how technology supports or underpins those needs remains critical in understanding all of these trends. I love that idea of being customer centric, especially because I think in something like the beauty industry, people's idea of what beauty is, is also changing really rapidly. So to be able to keep up to date with that trend and really understand what people are looking for when we actually come to defining the term beauty, I think it's really relevant and companies will need to keep up with that so that they can continue to sell their products, I guess, and services. <laughs> Absolutely. And our final question for this topic, what do you think makes Adore Beauty an attractive investment for, you know, someone like Maddie and I, retail investors? Okay. All right. Where do I start? So, so this is, this is <laughs> your best me. elevator pitch. That's right. So, so the way we talk about it is firstly, Adore is in a very large addressable market. So beauty and personal care here in Australia alone is $11 billion. Uh, and we're very early in the structural transition to online. So today, around 11.5% of purchases are made online. If we contrast that to the US and the UK, uh, with COVID, they're up at around, you know, um, I think it's like 18 to 20% online. If we look at the most developed markets like China and South Korea, their online penetration levels are almost 50%. So there's just so much headroom for Australia to go to catch up to what online purchases and online penetration look like in this category globally. And so that's the, the market opportunity. I think what we're really excited about is Adore's got a really strong pure play market leadership position here. And we believe we're really well placed to take a disproportionate share of this accelerated structural shift to online that we're seeing. Uh, we remain really customer-centric. We've got a really strong customer value proposition that I just talked through. And I think the thing that's most exciting for us is we've got a really strong track record of executing against our strategic priorities and taking share and growing faster than the market. So we're not a business that sits here and says, oh, it's great, you know, the market's going to grow by whatever percentage, we'll just sit there and grow with the market. I think when we look back over our track record, we've been taking share for many years and, and that's absolutely our intent as, as the online segment continues to grow. I was actually laughing because when we have like a, a you know a document where we write down all our questions and underneath what do you think makes Adore Beauty an attractive investment, Maddie has written, it sends Tim Tams with every order. And, and I've, I was laughing last night because I was like, only an Australian would write, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest in Adore because I send Tim Tams. Like you've just given this, you know, amazing pitch. And we just thought, Tim Tams. You should add that to the pitch. <laughs> So, so a, little, a little funny story to finish on on how important the Tim Tam is to our customers. We probably didn't fully understand until one year, a couple of years back as part of an April Fool's joke, we, we decided to go out on all of our socials and say, look, we've heard the customer feedback about your, your passion to be healthy. So we've made the decision to swap out the Tim Tam for a packet of... <laughs> 
Australian organic sultanas. I saw this. And, <laughs> and the uproar was just next level. So made us very clear that the, the Tim Tam is an important part of what we offer. Also, sultanas are just a no-go. No, thank you. They're actually pretty nice, though, to be fair. Okay. Nothing on the Tim Tam. Put, Tim, put some sultanas in Maddie's next order. No, 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 no. So, Tanil, each episode we ask our guests to add a stock, company, news, trend or industry, anything that they like to our watch list. And the purpose of this is to get us thinking outside the box and broaden our horizons in the investing space. Of course, we're not financial advisors and it is just for educational purposes, but I'm very excited to hear. What are you adding to the watch list today? Uh, so, look, I, there's actually a couple of articles that I'd like to share that is, um, you know, in, in the spirit of educating on the, the beauty journey, uh, there's some fantastic articles that talk about the key global beauty trends that we're seeing uh, and, and what are some of the emerging things coming through. So I'll, I'll post those and, and give your, your listeners the opportunity to learn a little bit more about all things beauty globally. Perfect. We will definitely be posting them in our Facebook group and getting a bit of insight from the Adore Beauty CEO. Exciting. (laughs) (laughs) And our final question for you today is, what piece of advice would you tell your younger self starting out on your investing journey? It's actually a piece of advice that you touched on earlier in the podcast and I wanted to pick it up then. But for me, I found the greatest success where I identified investment opportunities that aligned with my values, aligned with my purpose, so that I genuinely enjoyed the the research phase and getting to know whether it's the asset class or the company and followed it uh, over time. So what I'd say to myself early days is rather than, you know, I think my my early approach was seeking to um, do my analysis and understanding and looking to do things like time the market, those kinds of things. I think the reflection for me has been, I get the most uh, enjoyment and spend the most time because I get the enjoyment if I have identified companies that really resonate with my values and and invest there. So that's where I've um, focused my investment um, in more recent times. Soph and I talk a lot about that on the podcast, so it's great to hear it reinforced from someone with the status and with the respect from our community of yourself. It just really supports what we've been trying to say. So, Tanil, thank you so much for joining us today. Before we let you go, is there anything that you would like to plug or anywhere where people can find out more about yourself or Adore Beauty? Uh, look, the, the one thing I'd love to say is a plug, given, given we're here on a podcast, is I'd really encourage your, uh, your listeners, if they're, if they're looking for something a little lighter and, and potentially a little more entertaining, <laughs> to come and, come and have a look. Uh, as, as we touched on, you know, I think the, the Beauty IQ podcast is very funny. Um, it's a very different topic, uh, but uh, it's something that really allows you to immerse into the beauty space. And, and we've got... Uh, we've recently launched a, a second, um, actually a third podcast. We've got multiple podcasts coming in that we call Bite Size Beauty. And as part of that, that will be broken down into smaller segments looking at different topics. Um, and so if you're looking to get deeply involved into the world of beauty, check out some of our podcasts. Well, you could use it as investing research if you were looking to yeah. invest in there Adore Beauty. Technically. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and I, really, I really liked your last part, you know, buying the parcel to check the customer experience yeah, and, exactly. and the goodie bags and the Tim Tam. It's just research. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. 
What a full circle that has been, Maddie. <laughs> a year down. So exciting to have Tanila on the show today. I have to say, never thought we would be hosting the CEO of an amazing company like Adore Beauty, but it was an absolute joy. Here we are. As always, we will be posting content to our social media streams. Jump onto Instagram. We are YIGC Podcast. Jump into our Facebook group and ask any questions about today's episode, or we would love to hear your thoughts, especially maybe around Tanil's pitch as to why Adora is a good investment. I personally am feeling pretty swayed at the moment, so I might have to go and do a little bit more research. Maybe we can share it in the group at YGC Investing Podcast Discussion Group. We will also be posting her articles that she added to the watch list into that group. So if you want to check them out, definitely jump there. And also, if you could leave us a review, if you're enjoying the podcast, then we would greatly appreciate it because it helps us reach more people just like you. It also helps us get guests like Tanil. So <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much and we'll catch you next week. Bye. You're in Good Company is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of You're In Good Company are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Your In Good Company acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.